Welcome back to the Sip and Feast podcast, episode 25. I know we're not keeping count, but I just finished uploading episode 24 today. So that makes it almost half a year. And it's an almost half a year celebration, Tara. That's right. That's not going to be celebrated. No. Because we're just on to the next one. That's it. That's it. We're just moving forward, true north. And what is our true north for today? We're going to talk about gift ideas, specifically gift ideas for the food lover, foodie, cook, etc. in your life. Or maybe we're going to give you some ideas of gifts for yourself that you can put on your wish list and and tell your loved ones to to go out and get for you. And this is an appropriate time to discuss this, to talk about it, because we are moving right into Black Friday, which is one of the most shopped days of the year. Mm-hmm. And it's the year that people go out to get gifts. Yeah, that's right. When this podcast airs, it's going to be the the Monday before Thanksgiving, right? Hopefully you're not stressing. Hopefully you listened to our previous podcast episode and, yeah. and you're in the middle of your game plan. And right now you're thinking about what you're going to get for Black Friday, maybe some deals. We're not really going to talk that much about deals here just because those numbers change sometimes on a daily basis. But I think with some of the the gifts we're going to mention, we'll be able to give you a rough idea. So we're going to go back and forth between a Tara pick and a gym pick. Tara, what is your pick? And these aren't in any particular order. Yeah. So a lot of the items that I have on my list of good gift ideas were actually items that we found and used when we stayed at that Airbnb in the summer. The Airbnb that we stayed at in upstate New York in the Catskills had a gourmet kitchen for a professional chef, right? Yeah, oh yeah. With every type of gadget that you could imagine, right? And I can't wait to go back to that place. I know. I, that the place was beautiful. It was amazing. So the first thing on my list, and I put it on my list, maybe as a little subtle, not so subtle hint to Jim, because these are something that I would really like for myself, <laughs> but I think it's a good gift to give to someone else. And it, I, I think what makes a good gift is that you're giving someone something that they would really like, but something that they wouldn't buy for themselves because maybe it's not the most practical thing. Like I personally, this gift I'm about to name, I wouldn't buy for myself because I'd be like, oh, it's a little too much money. But if someone gave it to me as a gift, I would be really happy. And these are Peugeot or, uh, okay, I did not take French in high school. Peugeot. Peugeot, Peugeot. I, I'm probably mispronouncing it, but that's the brand. They're salt and pepper mills, okay? And they're made of clear acrylic. So they almost look like glass and they're beautiful. They come in seven inch, nine inch and 12 inch sizes. The one at the Airbnb was a 12 inch and- I love them. Now, right now, you can get them on Amazon. They have a set of the seven-inch ones for $77. Wow, that's kind of hefty. Yeah. It is steep. Um, Pottery Barn also has them, and Williams-Sonoma has them as well. Of course, if you're going to go up to the 12-inch ones, that's when they get a little bit more expensive. But again, this is a gift idea 
not something you necessarily would just be like, oh, I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy this for myself. So they're just made out of acrylic and that's and they cost that much? Mm-hmm. Acrylic is a cheap product. I used to actually work with this stuff when I was all into the woodworking. So I would buy sheets of acrylic, different thicknesses uh, to make jigs. So like woodworking jigs. Mm -hmm. These are like tools you make to help you, uh, assist you in cutting and and stuff like that. And uh, they can be milled like very accurately. So that's why that these companies are milling these probably big chunks of acrylic. But you know, part of the cost there is the actual mechanism, the pepper grinder mechanism, because I used to be into woodworking again. So you could do uh, make a pe- pepper grinder on your lathe and you would have to buy the grinder. So it's a ceramic grinder and those were always kind of expensive. So that's that's part of the price there. Mm-hmm. Is I remember using it at the uh, Airbnb we went to. I thought it was fairly high quality. Did it feel high quality to you? It did. The quality felt great. It was, it felt better than the one that we have. That's, I forget where we got ours from. Not the wooden one. No, the wooden one we have is beautiful. Uh, yes. A, a, yes. a gentleman on Instagram uh, made it for me. I'm not talking about that one because that's the one you keep in the sip and feast kitchen. That one's beautiful. He in did that the, on the lathe. The one that I have in our main kitchen is, I don't know, like probably off of Amazon or or something yeah. like that. And it's just, you know, this felt nice. And it was, I feel like this is more of a statement piece. Like I would put out these salt and pepper mill on my dining room table at a dinner party and they're just beautiful. That's why, that's why I like it. They're, yeah. they're pretty. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. I think that I don't really see the utility in a salt mill. Mm-hmm. I like to, you know, pinch it, like to grab it, like to hold it. Jesus. Okay, you're talking <laughs> about salt, all right? Let's just like no, you know, I clarify mean, that. <laughs> that's 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 what I like. Okay. As far as the pepper grinder, yeah, I think that's a good gift. I and I and I can see how you're saying that people wouldn't want to drop that money on themselves. That's right. So I actually I agree. Great pick, Tara. Thanks. Okay, what do I got now? Ooh, I love my pick. Now, these aren't in any particular order, but if you're a fan of the channel, if you've been watching the channel for a while, you know my love affair with a 14-inch stainless pan. Now, when I started, not when I started, maybe a year after I started, I uh, went to it's a very heavy one. It's made by a brand called Vigor, and you can get this on WebsterOnStore.com. So WebsterOnStore.com is a restaurant supply store, and it's where I buy a lot of products. You could get like 50-pound bags of flour. You can buy any type of like uh, container to, to hold your flour. You know, you buy 50 pounds of flour, where are you going to put it? You know, um, I've, I've purchased a lot of stuff from there, and I did purchase that pan from them. It has a very heavy bottom, flat bottom. So you could use this pan on not just your gas or electric stove. You could also use it on your induction stove, Mm -hmm. which, you know, if you have induction, you know that not all pans can be used on there. It has a safety handle because you don't want to be trying just to hold it from one end. It is welded. It's not riveted. And I actually put a very similar model made by Winko, I put in our Amazon store, and that one has rivets. So they're ident- it's identical to the Vigor, it just has rivets. 
Recently, uh, in the newer videos, you might notice that I have a maiden pan. So that company gifted that to us. And people keep asking about it. I don't even think they, I don't even think it's sold on their site, right? I don't know if it's available yeah. on their site yet. Yeah. So that's I, a good pan I don't too. Know. That's a good pan too. They're all good pans. All three. The reason I'm saying all three brands, they're all, they're all good. And there's really not that many other brands that do a 14 inch stainless, you know, you can get an all clad, but that's a $300 pan mm -hmm. versus the Vigor is like 60, the Winko 60. And I, again, I don't know if the maiden is sold. Why is it such a great gift? Well, I mean, this is one that I think people would buy for their themselves tower, but I think they would. We do get so many questions on the pan that yeah. you use. That over a thousand questions about that one. Oh, over, easily, yeah, maybe easily over the years. Yeah, so many. There's actually only one thing that's asked about more: the burner, the burner. Yeah, and people the, and often the cook, and the cookbook, <laughs> the cookbook too. Yeah, but people will often complain. They'll be like, "You're using that 14 inch pan on that little burner. It's not safe." Well. Yeah, it's not that safe. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not, it's a little too big for it. But, you know, I do that because I'm doing cooking uh, demonstrations. You're going to have a regular stove. You're going to be able to put your 14 inch pan on that regular stove. And, Jim, why are you telling me I need a 14 inch pan? Because we cook for our family here, and you're watching, and you probably cook for your family as well. Restaurants are cooking for one person at a time, so they are using a lot of 10-inch pans. They're using a lot of 12-inch pans. Yeah. Like, they're getting an order for, say, chicken Valdestana or chicken Sorrentino or whatever, chicken Marsala. They're doing one cutlet, maybe two. They only need a 10-inch pan. They got their stock next to them, their wine. Boom, plate. Put it up, you know, on the, on the heat, under the heat lamp ready to go. That's really awesome for a restaurant. Those mm -hmm. are the those are the pans that you're going to use, but when you're at home, you're never cooking that way. So, that's why we always try to differentiate our stuff from other channels that are always grabbing those 10-inch pans and if if we were doing everything like cooking for one or cooking for two, which is what we would label the site, it would be different. But we're cooking for the fam and I think you are too. So, get yourself a 14-inch pan. It is so much more useful than a 10 or 12 inch pan. I'm gonna add something, kind of a weird gift, but if you are giving somebody the 14 inch stainless pan or any stainless pan as a gift, can I recommend that you also include in the gift some barkeeper's friend? Because one of the other things that we're asked frequently is how do we keep our stainless steel pans looking like brand new? Well, the answer is barkeeper's friend. I use it all the time and it works like a charm. They are not sponsoring us. No. I wish they would. Yeah, I mean, we, we use it. I don't really, I don't break it out in the videos, but I think Comet is the exact same product. I think it's the it, same type of cleaning product. It's like product. an abrasive yeah. thing, but I, I don't know if it's the exact same, but Barkeeper's Friend is- It's awesome. They have, it's awesome. Barkeeper's Friend has a liquid and they have a powder form. The, the powder is so much better. By the way, I just want to tell folks who are, are watching, I'm wearing a Yankees hat today <laughs> because I'm due for my gray touch up. So in case anybody's Tara, wondering why you is Tara, have gray why hair, Jim, I found my first gray hair when I was 16 and I started dyeing <laughs> my hair when I was 27. Coincidentally, that's the same age I was when I married you. So I don't know. So that is why I'm wearing a hat in case anybody, <laughs> in case anybody's wondering. My, my, my beard's almost is probably more than 50% gray now. My hat is one hundred percent. If I if I did not color my hair, I would be 
a silver fox I see or women, a silver vixen. I see women who are kind of young going for that look now. I've, well, I've yeah, noticed that. Yeah, I mean, some of them look... You mean purposely dying their Purpose, hair? No, or? no, no, no. They're not, they're oh, not, because that they're was not a trend. dying it white. Well, that was a trend. Anyway, up on my list is also something that I got to use and play with at the Airbnb, and that was the Breville Smart Waffle Maker. Mm. So it makes four square waffles at a time. It's extremely intuitive to use. In fact, when we were there, I couldn't find the... Um, like owner's manual. So I watched like a quick YouTube video on how to use it. I used a Trader Joe's, of course, Trader Joe's pancake mix in order to, to make the waffles. Trader Super Joe's. easy to, to make, easy to clean. I want this waffle maker. I don't really have room for it, but I still want it. And I think that if someone in your life loves to cook, loves waffles, I mean, you can't really... Make a waffle without a waffle iron. So I would say that is on my list of gifts that would be good to give to somebody. This one is something I don't envision somebody buying for themselves. Mm -hmm. So it probably is a good gift. Yep. My number two, again, no particular order, is a Dutch oven. Now we've devoted a whole episode to not La Crusade, Le Crusade. You took five years of French. Le Crusade. Is it Le Crusade or? It's, I think it's Le. There will be good deals around this time of year for that particular brand's Dutch oven and Staub and all the other ones. By the way, I was looking last night and those are not the only two expensive brands. There's another expensive brand. It's a French name. It's a French company. Do you know what it is? Starts with an S. Next no. letter is U. Next letter is R. Space. L. Oh, sur la table. Sur la table. 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 How do you yeah. say? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, their their Dutch ovens were almost as expensive as the uh, La Crusade and Staub. So again, don't want to reiterate what we've said for an hour in the other episode. You can absolutely use other brands. We don't have any of those expensive brands. And I don't think I've ever ruined one. I th uh, Again, I said maybe I ruined one in the past, but no, you don't, you're not going to ruin them. They're, they're, all, they're all pretty good as long as you use them appropriately. Mm -hmm. So I say get a Dutch oven. I like a 6.5 quart. I think it's the most useful. I think a 5.5 quart is a little small. The next thing on my list, I actually meant to mention when I was talking about the Breville waffle iron, and this is kind of like an alternative option for if you have kids or grandkids or nieces, nephews, whatever, who like cooking, um, tr uh, Target sells a mini waffle iron by Dash. I think Dash is the, the brand name. And actually, Sammy asked for this a few years ago when she got one, and it's really cute. It was only like $13. And it's great for kids who want to just make the mini waffles. That's a good idea. Yeah. So yeah. and it's and it's inexpensive. Okay. So that was supposed to piggyback off of the the Breville waffle maker. So now yeah. I'm going to go into to my next um, pick, and that is the Breville Barista Bambino espresso machine. What's up with Breville today? So that's the only Breville other Breville item on my on my list, and I actually own this espresso machine. Jimmy gave it to me for Mother's Day, right? And it's 
wonderful. You made a great latte today. Now, I think a lot of that was the, the coffee that you used, but go on. I think it was the coffee. I also recently just got a funnel to help get the coffee grinds or this, yeah, the coffee grinds into the um, permafilter. Portofilter. Portofilter. You don't do know I, what that's no, called? No, I do. I'm drawing a blank. The portafilter. <laughs> so that funnel really helped me. I actually saw that on some guy's YouTube channel that like just makes Oh, he had a funnel. Yeah. He had the funnel. That's where yeah. I saw it. I think you need yeah. a funnel. I, I mean, you can do this without a funnel, but I, I actually think that the makes, all the makers should give the funnel with that that should that should absolutely be included. Mm -hmm. So there's like a couple things you need if you if you get one of these, and that's that's one of them. Definitely more than more than the what is it the WT tool right? That's what it's called WDT tool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I actually didn't use that tool yeah. today. Tara's been doing well with it, but I think the main reason she's been doing well, and again, it's all about the beans you use, how long they've been out, uh, you know, potency, how much they've been roasted is a lot of different factors that can end up resulting in the richness or the the lack the lack of crema that you have and mm -hmm. all the problems that you're going to have with it a lot of that is a factor of the beans and that's why i think a regular coffee shop they're they have a lot of things systematized mm -hmm. so they you know they know exactly versus like a homeowner oh well, let me i can use those beans they've been sitting there for two months and yeah. it won't be the same as those beans from a month ago that's right yep. there is an art to making a latte or even just an espresso. There is an art to it. Um, I have not mastered the art of pouring steamed milk in for a latte. I mean, the latte I gave you was pretty ugly, but it tasted good. That was the important thing. I think the steamed milk is easier to get perfect than the actual consistency of your espresso shot. There is some trial and error with yeah. the espresso, and it really does depend on the beans that you're using. Yeah, it's almost like you have to date them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's all, yep. it's a big rabbit hole that you can jump through and, yeah. you know, you can go years not being able to perfect it. But I think it's a good gift. If you have someone in your life who is passionate about coffee, passionate about having really good espresso at the end of the day, perhaps, get this for them because I think they'll love it. You know, speaking of espresso and restaurants in particular, you can go to kind of, you can go to, a, a low-end restaurant, you can go to a medium restaurant, you can go to a high-end restaurant, you could go to the city and go to a restaurant that's $300 per person. You will often find, even at those places, that the espresso sucks. So it's it's kind of, uh, I think at those restaurants, it, it behooves them to be perfect on it. But the reason that they're not is because why, Tara? Especially at those restaurants. People are wasted. They spend so much money on alcohol and and wine that they don't even they can't even tell the difference. Oh, so at they the don't end care the if there's no crema on yeah. the espresso. Versus you go to a coffee shop, you go in there in the during the day. You're not you know the person. That's true. It's it's in the morning. Like it's yeah. it's a completely different dynamic. I think that's here though. I think if you're in Italy, espresso is more an, a religion. You have to have somebody who monitors that at all times. Mm -hmm. I rarely get a good cup of espresso in a restaurant, no matter what restaurant we go to. I agree. I mean, most of the time it's downright horrible. We just went to a steakhouse for Jim's birthday and the espresso was not good. You could say the name of that place because you know what? It's a good place, but whatever. They'll let them know, you know? What's yeah. the name of the place? I don't want to say it. Ruth Chris. Ruth's. Ruth's Chris. Chris. It's a great steakhouse, uh, consistent, 
But yeah, the espresso uh, had no crema at all. Yeah. Yeah. No bueno. No and bueno. I was not wasted. <laughs> Neither was I. I don't drink. Neither was I. All right. Jim, what's your next pick? Knives. Knives is a big topic. I'm just going to go really quickly. I think we should do a whole episode devoted to knives. We we do. Yeah. But I think for the gift giving purposes, talk gift, about it. Gift giving, I suggest you don't get a Japanese style at all for anybody. Because if you do get that as a gift, the person, unless they are very experienced, they're going to ruin it. They're going to ruin it. And you're just going to be weight throwing your money away. You know, they're going to put it in the dishwasher. They're going to just bang it up. If it's a carbon steel, Jap which is what most Japanese knives are, they're not stainless. It's going to rust. Okay. Those knives, you got to oil every time after you use them. Uh, I think you should just stick with a decent quality Western brand that is stainless. So a Wustov, a Henkel, um, you could go lower end like um, a Victoronics or a Mercer. Those will all be good. I suggest you go for an eight-inch chef's knife. And then you can also, if you want to get them a set, you can also get them a paring knife and you can get them a bread knife. If you have those three knives, you can pretty much do anything because the chef's knife can pull double duty as a slicer for when you do a roast. And, uh, you know, the serrated, which is the bread knife, will cut your bread. Why don't you do your next one? Because your next one also goes hand in hand with my next one. But I want you to talk about yours first. Okay, so the next one is a salt box. Now, I spoke about it before. I like to grab and pinch and toss my salt. And I think that's what all cooks or chefs like to do. Uh, you get better feel so you know how much salt you're putting on your food. I don't like to sprinkle my salt out of a salt shaker. Every time I go to a diner and I do that, I'm always like, because I was that kid when I was young, like, a you didn't. Oh, I, a couple times, oh. or, I, or I witnessed people doing it. They would, I'm so uh, you disappointed. Know, they like unscrew the cap, and then like you know, you'd, you'd go to put your salt on your food. You and the really whole thing. did that? No, I was. You know what? I think I was a witness to it, and that's pretty much my life experience. Always witnessing, kind of like the dumbasses <laughs> around me doing stuff, and I me not having the courage to like tell them not to do it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I had some of those friends and. It's a tough thing when you're young. You, you you can't be like a goody two shoes around them all the time. Yeah, it's hard. It it's, is. Sometimes they would switch the salt with the sugar. Oh, that's that, that's a very common one. Like put like NutraSweet. Remember like when you were young and you would go to like the diner and they would have all those NutraSweet packets yeah, and yeah, uh, equal equal. Yeah. Whatever happened to that? That's, that's they don't. Put I think that. like it's it's Splenda now, right? Because NutraSweet and Equal yeah. are. I don't know. So like they would like pour in. that into the salt thing. And I don't know, like it's like their master plan. They got to wait like a week later for some guy to be sitting there, like putting it on and being like, oh, honey. Yeah. <laughs> so, so your salt box. Salt box is a great tool. I mean, I have three of them. So I have actually two of them. So one of them is for just salt. And then I have another one that is for hot red pepper and finely ground black pepper. It really should be a little coarser. Yeah. But I like that because sometimes like, you know, I got stuff on my hands. I like to just reach in there, grab it. It's uh, it's an easy thing to do. I probably could use a third one for uh, flaky sea salt or yeah. the Mal Malden sea salt, like one of those type of sea salts. Yep. Very cheap gift. I think you should get those as gifts for, some, for someone, for, for the cook in your life. They'll love it. 
I agree. And the one that you use on the channel, the main cooking channel, is was a gift from my mom to you from Wegmans. My mom lives in Pennsylvania, so she has a Wegmans right near her. We're getting a Wegmans soon sometime on Long Island. But um, if you don't have a Wegmans near you to to pick up one of those they do Amazon. have one on Amazon. In, There's a lot of them. in the shop. There's a lot of them. There's yeah. a lot, and I've seen them at other at other stores too. I'm trying to remember where I saw one more recently, but they're they're you know pretty good price. They're not. We'll be linking everything down yeah. in the in the description below. Also, the shop you can see it, uh, or you can just find go find, find it, it out on yeah, your own. Find it yourself. Yeah. To go with the salt box, if you're going to give someone a salt box, I had on my list a bucket of Malden sea salt. And again, the person that who, who owns the Airbnb where we stayed, she had a bucket of the regular sea salt and the Malden smoked sea salt. And you used that on the night we had steak there. And the smoked sea salt was just so good. Yeah. So if you're going to give someone a salt box, consider giving them the Malden sea salt as well. Yeah, that's great salt. There's other ones that are high-end salts. I actually been making the switch to diamond kosher salt lately, Tara. That's right, because you like it because it's a little bit um It's airier. lighter. It's lighter. Yeah. It's uh I do agree with the uh a lot of the literature literature out there online. It's harder to mess up your food with that type of salt. Mm -hmm. That's right. It kind of just like floats in the air yeah. as you do it. Jim, what's your next one? Okay, next one I have is an end grade end grain cutting board. Great gift, can be very expensive. Uh, again, woodworking shop that I had, I made a few of them in my life. Uh, they're hard to make They're You need a lot of wood. You, you, you got to do multiple glue ups because you're gluing up the long grain next to each other in strips. Then you're cutting it all on your miter saw or a sled on your table saw. And then you're turning them over. You're flipping the end grain up. You're re-gluing it. And then you're running that through. If you have a big drum sander, don't ever put it through a planer. You'll, that could, Thing could shoot back at you and be a projectile, or you're like using a router sled. And if I, don't, if you don't know what anything I'm talking about, I understand. But um, it is a lot of labor. That's why they cost a lot. Whether you buy them on Etsy or you buy them from Amazon, from any seller. And in my experience, a cutting board. You really don't want a cutting board under about an 18 by 12. Anything smaller than that, your food's all just going to be falling off the edge. So. An 18 by 12 end, end grain cutting board, that's a one and a half inch thick board. It's going to be about $400, three, $400. But the thing about an end grain that makes it so awesome is, remember, it's the end of the wood. So it's like all these lines that if you were to look at, it looks like straws pointing up. When you put your knife in it, it's like self-healing. So your knife goes in it, will enter, you remove your knife. Day later, it's like barely any mark there. That's so cool. Versus like a long grain, edge grain cutting board, you will do a lot of damage to that mm -hmm. board, but there's nothing wrong with those boards. You know, they're fine too. Also an end grain that's done, made correctly, will resist any warping, provided you're not a dumbass and put the uh, cutting board in the dishwasher. <laughs> okay. Yeah, don't, don't definitely don't, don't a, do that. Don't be a dumbass. Okay. Up next on my list, I actually have two things that I'm going to mention together because it could be like a gift that you give in one package. Um, I found this coffee mug warmer on Amazon. It was $25 when I saw it. And you know when you like make yourself a cup of coffee and then, 
you know, well, for us, we will bring our coffee up to the office and then, you know, Jim will start talking to me. And then 20 minutes later, my <laughs> coffee's cold. And I'm like, <laughs> so if I would have had, if I would have had this, you got, you got your, uh, I got my little dig in. Keep going. Okay. Keep going. So if I would have had this coffee mug warmer, my coffee would still be nice and warm and I'd be able to enjoy it in a hopefully peaceful environment. Um, the other thing that I was going to mention to go along with that, and this is um, a company, they actually did sponsor us a, a while ago. I don't even think we have a, a code for them anymore or at all. No, we don't. Um, yeah. But the the company is called Cometeer. And you can buy, you can give it as a gift to somebody, but basically they're sending you, I think it's like three or four um, boxes or sleeves of um, coffee capsules or pucks. So it's not like a Keurig where it needs to be brewed. What they do is they will portion a little bit of concentrated coffee and then it's flash frozen, right? And then it's shipped to you. And then it's shipped to you on dry ice. So you put it in your freezer until you're ready to use it. When you're ready, you take it out of the freezer, the little the little capsule, and then you add it to a cup with hot water, boiling water. And it's real, I like it. I think it's really good coffee. Anytime we have guests here, I'm usually using that because more often than not, our guests want decaf. And that's, I had the decaf ones of that and everybody raves about it. And it's easy to use. Yeah, it's it's a good product. I don't know if it's a good product, a good idea for a brand. I mean, what do they got to ship that on a a truck that's a frozen truck? I mean, like, yeah, it's kind of crazy when you I think mean, about they ship it. it. I think they ship it on dry ice, but it is frozen yeah, I mean, when so it comes to you. A, they must need a ton of dry ice and they have to ship that. And it almost just seems that it's like a, you're paying for a lot of that shipment cost and mm -hmm. it is a more expensive product than say a Keurig. It is, but it yeah. is cheaper than going out and buying a cup of coffee every day if that's what you do. But anyway, it's, it's something that I think is good to give as a gift. It allows someone, you can get, you know, a multi-pack of it. It allows you to try a few different yeah. types of coffee. Um, and I think it's a, just a good gift to give to somebody in your life that likes coffee yeah. and you can give it to them with the coffee warmer. This has got to be my number one. And if, if you're <laughs> if you're a fan of the channel, you probably already know what I'm going to say. The Meat Masher. <laughs> this thing is amazing. Yes. I, I, I mean, this thing is just so good. Let me tell you something. For a long time in the comments, when I would be struggling to mash my meat, there would be <laughs> people saying, Jim, you got to get a meat masher. And I would be like, uh, yeah, I don't need it. I'm going to use my potato masher or my wooden spoon. They're like, Jim, it's this plastic thing that looks like a star. And I was like, oh, what is this? This person's, you know, thinks I don't know what I'm doing. So finally, this woman sent it to us. Uh, she's from Long Island, she sent a gift and she's like, just use it, just try it out. Let me tell you, this thing's a game changer. It is. I, I mean, it's I should so be great. like, remember that sham wow guy just like hawking stuff on TV? I should be the guy like selling the meat mashers on TV because that's how much I believe in this product. I mean, it's an awesome product and there's a lot of brands that make it. There's no, I don't think there's a patent on this. It's, there's, you know, you can I think buy. Farberware is the one we, we have. We have Farberware. Maybe. maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's heavy. It's a little heavy. 
at the end of it. It's a star pattern. Basically, when you push down on the meat that's in your pan and you just do a little turn, it just breaks it up yeah. so easily. It's really good for, I've used it when I made chili. So when you need to break up the ground beef, it's so good for that. It's awesome. Yeah. It's like, and it's like 10 bucks. Yeah. Buy it. Buy like five of them and give gift them out to any cooks yeah. you know. And just tell them, be like, listen, Bob, you you, you, you better. <laughs> you keep going after Uncle Bob, Bob. Is Bob the only name you know? You're like, Bob, you better use this. Don't put that in your drawer, Bob. I, when I come back to your house three months from now, and if I see that thing not opened, it's going to be problems. All right? So you tell Bob, you open the package and make chili. Next on my list is also meat related. It's a wireless meat thermometer. And actually I was thinking of getting it for you. So Okay, well Spoil I'm, spoiler okay, alert. Okay, I'm listening. And actually when you told me about this one yeah. earlier today, I this is like the coolest thing. So let me tell you more. So it's a wireless meat thermometer. It pairs with an app on your phone. So you, through your phone, you can see the temperature of the meat. Um it's by Meter Plus. And it allows you to cook with complete freedom and flexibility. So this was available on Amazon. I think it was like around $100 or something like that. But again, it's a good gift to give to somebody. And let's fact check my price quote and maybe not include it if I'm wrong. Well, no, or I could put it across the screen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I saw this on Amazon. And I, Jim, you might be finding it in your stocking. Well, that's a great stocking gift. Or it Num might just be your only gift. Yeah, to be uh, let's be real here. It's no, probably your only gift. No, she's going to get me more than that. I got her the the, the Bambino thing last uh, for Mother's Day. Um, it sounds like an awesome idea. There's going to be a lot of tech that's going to be moving into the cooking food space. And people, a lot of them, well, people like me will resist it uh, initially, just like how I resisted the meat masher for two years. But this sounds like a great idea. I mean, I know I've seen Weber on some of their new grills. They offer a similar product. Like it's like an upgrade on mm -hmm. the grill. I, I love the sound of it. Yep. Yeah. Really cool. Now this one's expensive. This is my most, ex well, actually the, the end grain cutting board is just as expensive here. So the end grain cutting board taken care of will last you a lifetime. The next product I'm going to tell you will also last you a lifetime with its warranty. And as long as you're not stupid with it, it's uh, called the KitchenAid stand mixer. I suggest you go for the pro model. Go for one of the models that has the better motor. They have a lot of different models now. They Obviously, the company needs to keep differentiating their products. They can't just differentiate by colors, even though you can buy like a hundred different colors now for the mixers. Some of them have a thing where they pop up, which is really nice. But in my experience, the ones that do that have the weak motor. The stronger motor ones are the ones that have the attachment that like pushes up and it just locks in, you know, making pizza dough, baking, bread making, it just makes your life a lot easier. That being said, every bread and dough recipe or anything I've done on the channel has always been done with my bare hands to show you how it can be done. I'm just telling you though, especially if you're going to make like, say like 20 dough balls for pizza. It's it's nice to have the KitchenAid. Mm -hmm. I love it. And what do I mean by stupid? Just don't overload the thing. Read the manufacturer's instructions because if you overload it, you're going to strain the motor. You know, there's warranties on it, obviously, but you know, it's 
as long as you're smart, the thing will work for a long time. Yeah. Because think about it. You're not, it's like, not like you're running a bakery. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're running a bakery, you're not using a little KitchenAid mixer. You're using one of these industrial machines that costs like $20,000. Yeah. And actually, Costco usually has a good price on the KitchenAid. That's right. Right? That's, that's where, where we you, got That's it. where you got yeah. mine. You, you gave that to me as a Christmas gift, I don't know, six years ago, seven years ago. And it works perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Love it. Okay. Next, I have just a few quick things. Actually, one of them is is kind of like more tech-related, Jim. You said tech is going to be coming into the food space. This is an in-home garden by Aero Garden. It's on Amazon currently for $117 for the regular and then $59 for the slim. It allows you to grow herbs and salad greens inside the house. And it comes with like seed starter kits. But- I don't know. I think it's hydroponically too. No, it sounds good. I mean, I just wonder how big it is. That's the thing. I think you could just go make your own uh, and make it as large as you want. Well, you can, but this is for inside. So well, you for can people make your who own have, with plastic. Well, for people who have limited space yeah. though, I think yeah. that it's good for that, yeah. which we did get a lot of questions on. You, that, oh, that, you did? That people have, yeah, people don't have a whole lot of space. They don't have a terrace or anything like that. What do they do? So I think this is a kind of a good solution yeah. for that. Again, we haven't used this product, but it seems to get good reviews. Um, Two more quick mentions before we move into questions. Another thing I saw, kind of a good stocking stuffer gift is called Foodie Dice. These were on Amazon. It's kind of like a way to, if you can't decide what to eat, you roll your Foodie Dice. It has, you know, a protein, cooking method, grain, carb, herb, and a bonus ingredient. You roll the dice and the dice tells you what you're going to make for dinner. I think that's a cool idea. Almost like chopped, but with dice instead. I really like <laughs> the that ingredients. idea. I thought that was cool. And then another one, this was kind of interesting. This is would would be for, you know, a lady in your life who ladies maybe enjoys um quirky type of jewelry. These were earrings that were shaped like farfalle. And they had pearls in them. They were kind of cute. And then they had blini earrings, you know, like with the um, the caviar. Yeah. And then they have earrings that actually look like a whole bunch of black caviar. Bellini or beluga, right? It's beluga. Belli- it's blini is with, I think blini is when the caviar is on top of the, what is it? It's called blini. It's like a little pancake yeah. thing. Yeah. That's the blini, I think. Yeah. Am I right? I honestly, Hold I on. so ignorant when it comes to that. I shy yeah, away we, from buying two hundred dollar cans of caviar. We will eat sushi, but I, honestly, I don't think I've ever had caviar in my life. But anyway, actually, the sushi place he sometimes uses it on a couple pieces. He puts a, a little bit of that on That's there. Right. Yeah. So blini are like the little pancakes that. And that's what the ear uh, that's what the earring is shaped like. It's shaped like one of like a blini with a little bit of black caviar on top of it. I have been educated. I think it's usually got does it have like creme fraiche or stuff? Like, oh yeah, creme fraiche. Is creme? that what's usually on it? Little creme fraiche. Yeah, so here's a picture with smoked salmon. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it kind of looks like that. Anyway, that is from a website called Chefany. We'll put the link below. But I thought that was kind of cute. They also have farfalle-shaped barrettes to put in your hair. All right. Kind of cool if somebody is into wearing food. Yeah, or get a farfalle <laughs> nose ring. 
Yes. Okay. Any any other? Uh, by the way, I want to talk about that. You know, it's you you all the things that I'm, you think maybe you know you what you're watching here. You maybe you, maybe you like us, maybe you hate us. I don't know. The one thing you'll notice about me that is different than pretty much all the other creators is what tower. You don't have any tats or piercings. None. When I was young, I got one earring in my left ear, and it didn't take. <laughs> and that was yeah. it. I think there's a lot of people our age that don't have the tats. I think the tats are more indicative of like mid thirties than mid forties. I think that I think uh, you know, like a full sleeve type of tattoo um, is more of a millennial thing. I think or the knuckle tats they do too. Yeah, the that's, that's I think that's more of a millennial thing. I think for our generation. If someone had a full sleeve of tattoos, um, they were more like associated with being like badass. Yeah, remember? I remember kids. We have the tribal bands. Remember that they used to do that when we were young. That was what they would get. Yeah, the tribe. The tribal tattoos were definitely um, a thing for our generation. I saw something recently. I forgot who it was, but (laughs) actually, I think it's this guy. He's on. He's, I follow him on Instagram because I don't use TikTok, but his name is Corey Dior. He usually says like funny things. It's almost like deep thoughts, if you remember deep thoughts. By I know who you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. So he said something once like back in the day, having a full sleeve of tats meant you were like a biker in a gang. And he was like, nowadays it means that you are a five-star Michelin chef and you make a very nice duck pate or something <laughs> like that. It was he said it a little bit differently, but it was so funny because it's so true. Like, yeah, now it's like, it's like the people in the the bear. Like, it's like the, in the in the kitchen. Like, it's just it's it's emblematic of how a kitchen is now. It's just a bunch of guys with tats and bandanas. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's it. Like, you don't see a lot of people that don't have tats. Yeah, that's true. They, I actually I read an article recently. I think it was in the New York Times. They said that there's more tattoo removals than has ever happened. So a lot of those same people that millennials and stuff who are getting a ton of tats, mm-hmm. they're having them removed and getting different ones. Hmm. So it's almost like it's the it's not as permanent anymore. Yeah, like you go into sense. thinking, oh, I'll, I can get this and yeah. if I don't like it in 10 years from now, I can get it removed. Invest in the tattoo removal uh, companies. That's, that actually sounds like a really good investment. Anyway, yeah. that's as much investment advice you're gonna get from Sip and Feast. All right, Jim. The first question comes from Joseph. Joseph says, I use tomato paste in both a tube or from a can, depending on how much I need. If it's just a small amount, I'll use the tube so I don't waste, even though I know the cost or ounce of the tube is excessively high. Curious though, when the tube says double concentrated, does that imply that I might need half as much? Chento says on their website, when substituting for a recipe that calls for traditional canned paste, follow a one-to-one or equal parts substitution. Double concentrated tomato paste provides a more robust flavor than that of traditional tomato paste. Now that's all a quote from Chento. So they say to use the same amount, but that it will be a more robust flavor. Seems a bit contradictory. Wondering what your thoughts are here. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say Cento's wrong there. Um, it's their products, but in my experience, the can, and that means Cento cans, because I do have Cento cans that we use, and we also use a lot of Kirkland cans. They'll always be thicker, which I thought meant more concentrated than the tubes. The tubes are, to me, even, and I have 
we got a whole bunch of stuff from Moody. They like gave us a like a care package. So we had a bunch of like regular tomato paste, double and even triple. Moody has a triple uh, concentrated. Even the triple was thinner than the canned paste. So listen, don't take my word for it. If that's what Cento says and they're the sellers of the product, I, I guess they're right. In my experience, it's always the cans are just, I mean, I've cooked with enough paste in my life. Like, you know, and you could just see in the videos when I'm scooping it out of a can, how thick it is. And versus when I'm squeezing it out of the tube, how thin it is. Mm-hmm. I'm probably, again, I, if that's what they're saying, then, then don't listen to me. All right. I don't <laughs> think, you, I don't think you helped Joseph that much. I, but. Yeah, Joseph, I'm sorry because I, that's what they're saying. I mean, I don't know. I mean, there could be a little bit of marketing there, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. The power of marketing. I don't think you can fit that really thick paste in, in the tube. I don't think it'll come out. Yeah. I would agree. All right. The next question comes from Marty. Marty says, here's my question with a little bit of background info. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to read everything, but she says that she grew up in Maryland with a German grandma and Italian grandfather because of the marital expectations at the time. We always had Italian and American food, never German. I grew up making brajol, calamari, homemade pastas, homemade ravioli, ricotta gnocchi, and pizza with her. My nana used to make a huge pot of meat sauce. I know that it contained Italian sausage, short rib, lamb shank, and maybe something else, but I was young, so I don't remember all the cuts. It also had big Italian meatballs. Do you know what this sauce is called, and do you have a version of it on your site? Now, she did include what she thinks is the recipe, and in addition to tomatoes and tomato paste, tomato puree, it does have a lamb shank, beef short ribs, Italian sausage, A1 steak sauce, kikkoman soy sauce, and then bay leaves, garlic, dried basil, sugar, and meatballs. So uh, to me, I'm going to I'm going to answer it first, but I and then I want you yeah. to answer it. To me, it just sounds like it's it was her not she called her nana it was her and i i think marty is is a woman so i'm saying her um because it's marty with an i not with a y i think it's marty's nana's sauce her sunday gravy maybe or sunday sauce and it's just being made in a different way i mean i think everybody's Nona, grandma, Nana has their own version, right? And it could have a a whole lot of meat in it. Like this has a lot of different meat. Yeah. What do you think? I think Tara's right. I think that this was just, honestly, it's probably almost a combining of the cultures in the way I grew up. It was, you know, my mom's, my mom's side is Italian. So that they get they get to make the choosing of everything. My dad had no input whatsoever in any food. Like, you know, he didn't he didn't cook. So he wasn't like, oh, you, we gotta share in this. It sounds almost to me that like there was a little bit of sharing there because the A1 sauce getting in there. Mm-hmm. I had a friend growing up who he's uh I, I I think it was the mother. No, the no, yeah, the mother was Hungarian and the father was Italian. So the sauce that they made always had peppers in it, mm-hmm. which peppers is a big no-no in in like a Sunday sauce. Like it's never in there, but yet they were in there because it's Hungarian. So there was probably Hungarian paprika in there too. 
Yeah. So it's like that kind of that meshing thing. Is Marty asking what the other meat was in there? I I mean, I would have no, no idea. She, her specific question was, do you know what the sauce is called? No. And, and do you have a version of it on your site? No, I mean, so A1 would never be in any, any, any Italian or Italian American dish, like period. I can say that with but Great it wound certainty. up in her nana sauce. No, I know that, but I'm saying there's not going to be a recipe for that. That's oh, what okay. I'm. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So the closest thing on the Sip and Feast website to this would be the Sunday sauce, yeah. but it's just not going to have no. In my Sunday those sauce, things in it. My Sunday sauce is very um, ha doesn't have a lot of stuff in it. Basically, it has. It doesn't matter. You could do it with one, two, or three meats. Often we would do it with meatballs, brajol and sausages. That would be pretty much like the extravagant one, but there would be no like other things in there except for onion and the tomatoes and just thyme. Like the time it takes to cook it. Yeah, not the, the, the time not it takes the herb to time. Yeah, the, like the hourly time it yeah. takes to flavor it. And you know, that would be the extent of it. Everybody's got their own dish, you know? That's that's kind of like the history of America. That's that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. true. I will close on this. And Tara, I think we could talk about the book. You know, it's very much in its infancy stages, you know, mm -hmm. so I, you know, I'm going to put this out there. So we now are, we now have an agent. We were, took a few weeks just to get everything sorted through in that respect, which, you know, writing a book is, is a beast of an activity. A lot of you want to know when our book is coming. It's coming. That's all I can say. It, the wheels are now in motion. Now, this is going to be a regular book done with a big publisher and all that. And it's going to mean that ideas need to be put out there. And now we're at the beginning stages where we're trying to figure out the right idea, like the right angle for the book. Mm -hmm. And, you know, something like this, the meshing of that Italian and Italian-American culture is one of the ideas that, that we've actually have considered. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of other ones. Don't want to mention them all for uh, one of our competitors will steal it, swipe it out from under us. It's coming for you. We, we want to do it for you. And the publishers, and I mentioned this probably in an early podcast episode, they really do want about 75% of the recipes to be new recipes, not stuff that we pull from our videos or our website. So- in that respect, a lot of it will be new for you. Uh, we can't wait to get it out. And I am not a writer, so Tara has a lot of work ahead of her. Yep. <laughs> it's all good, though. It's, a, yeah. it's exciting. Maybe next year at this time when we're having this discussion about gift giving, maybe the Sip and Feast cookbook will be... <laughs> Honestly, that's the timetable we'll that be, we're looking at. That would be cool. That's maybe, probably the timetable. Or maybe 2025. Who knows? It's coming. That's all I can say. Mm -hmm. We And we can't wait to bring it to you. That's right. Leave your questions at podcast at sipandfeast.com. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. Happy Thanksgiving. Yes, a happy Thanksgiving, because Thanksgiving is three days from now.